Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to the Four Persons Network. To learn more about what we do, go to our show page at thefourpersons.com and our blog site at thefourpersons.net. Tonight's show is The Tangled Web with Deb Rojas. With the help of our Mother Mary, we seek to untangle the knots we find and sometimes cause in our own lives. If you have a comment or question, drop it in the show chat room or call in at 515-602-9655. That number again is 515-602-9655. And now, let's welcome Deb Rojas. Hi, Deb. Can you hear me? I can hear you. How are you? I am doing well. A little, I feel like a, a little frazzled because I just bounced from counseling all day to this call here. But um, I don't know if that's anything different from the morning. <laughs> no, you're just doing your normal thing, one thing to another. Exactly. How was your day? Good. Can't complain. Now the sun has come out, so that makes it even better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's getting really nice here, too. Didn't you tell me you were doing some kind of uh, get-in-shape thing or something? What was that about? Oh, yeah, I'm trying to walk more. And by more, I mean an hour. Wow. At few, yeah, at least a few days a week, three or four days a week, minimum. So how fast do you walk? Well, I'm walking with a friend, which means I'm not really as cognizant of the distance or the time, which is very nice. <laughs> Excellent idea, because you're busy talking, right? Exactly, exactly. And it's a new friend, so um, I, we're just having fun getting to know each other. Um, cool. Also, we walk along the Schuylkill Trail, which is really cool, because, like, theoretically, we could walk all the way to Philly if we wanted to. Um but uh, she's a really cool Catholic gal, and so we have great conversations. Um, we've been walking like three to three and a half miles um, within a span of, I guess, like a, an hour to an hour and a half. So we just kind of, not we're not pushing too hard, but right. covering some distance. Cool. Well, um, today we're going to talk about... Um, a way that you um, suggested to diffuse marital tension, right? Marital conflict. <laughs> That's right. Oh, this fun exercise, yes. Mm-hmm. So what is the name of this thing you're going to it's, demonstrate? It's, a, it's called, well, Gottman. You know, we everybody who, who does anything with marriage is, is familiar with uh, the Gottmans and their um their evidence based research approach to um working with couples and they've done a, they've done so many different studies just like thousands and thousands of studies on the way couples respond and react to each other and how they can even use those responses and reactions to predict divorce mm-hmm. um, but um the Gottman Rappaport method combines active listening with seeking to understand the feeling behind what the person is trying to say. So this can really be used in a variety of contexts. It doesn't have to be limited to marriage by any means. Um, But I thought it would be funny to um, 
to take a common scenario and mm-hmm. kind of talk about it. Um, but observing the rules. Um, so for the uh, the speaker, the speaker has to um, can't blame, criticize, or show contempt. So I have to be uh, one of the speakers, right? Say again. I have to be one of the speakers. No, if you want, you could be the listener this time. Okay. Um, so wait, you're not allowed to throw blame or what was it? I can't throw blame, criticize, contempt. <laughs> I guess that means no no snide jokes. Um, <laughs> no. That'll you, be very, no, very hard for you, Deb. Good luck. No you accusatory statements. Um, okay. Only I statements about a specific situation. Talking mm-hmm. about feelings, which is my stoic favorite thing to do in the world. Um, state a positive need, also using a gentle startup. So, so I'm going to try to. <laughs> this is here's the caveat. I'm going to try to provide a good example of how to do this. Uh, that's I can guarantee you, it's not going to be perfect. Well, why don't we um, do a little bit of each at a time, and then you can um, explain what like a what was a gentle startup? Yeah, so a gentle startup is you know, let's say a, you know, wife is coming to her husband. She's like, you know, I'm really, I'm really frustrated with something, and I need your help. <laughs> or I'm, I'm just I, like, I don't know what to do about this, and I need your help. Mm-hmm. Um. What makes that a gentle startup? What do you think? Oh, what do I think? Mm-hmm. Well, um, if she's really frustrated about something, she could start by saying, um, uh, <laughs> you never pick up your socks. Mm-hmm. So she starts to fight right away. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you do the gentle one, she's talking about her own feelings. Am I on the right track there? Yes. Yeah. And it's in the sense of like, like if I, if she comes to her husband is like, you did this again. <laughs> After I told you a thousand times, it drives me insane. You know what's the what's the natural response going to be? I haven't ever done that. You're telling lies again. Why are you always attacking me? Defensiveness, right? And so that you've you've just brought up a great word. Always, always, and never are not allowed in these exercises. Um, because they're rarely true. Right. So they're not in that sense helpful. Um, so let's say a wife comes in, at, at, you know, a, a common source of frustration can easily be, like you said, the socks on the floor. <laughs> right. <laughs> or missing the hamper, right? Um, but also the dishes in the sink. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the kitchen cleanup factor. It's a daily right. factor in every home. Um, so, you know, a wife comes to her husband and says, I need your help with something. Sure, babe. What can I do? I'm afraid you're going to get really, really upset. So can we use the speaker-listener exercise and really try to follow those rules so this doesn't get out of hand? Okay. And if if, if, if both partners know what the speaker-listener exercise is, the real value in this is that, you know, the fear in conflict is that we're going to lose each other. Right. You know, um, you're not going to be there for me. I'm not going to be there for you. Mm-hmm. And so in creating boundaries for conflict, 
for the expression of it. We can we can help couples work with that fear that it's going to get so out of control that we're going to be worse off mm-hmm. at the end than before we started this attempt to repair. I think some people are afraid too that um, conflict means kill or be killed, right? And so, mm-hmm. but also you might gain soul ascendancy over the kingdom of our, our mm-hmm. house. Right. And then I won't get to say anything. Right. And in that, it's that you're the enemy. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Not that this is an attempt to reconcile or to repair, but really that, you know, already with that assumption that you're talking mm-hmm. about, it's like we are, there's like, I'm against you. The I, thou is, is really um, in conflict, uh, like um, adversarial. Mm-hmm. Right. And men and women do not make good natural enemies, right? So what this what this assumes is that spouses can come together as friends. And you say that men and women what was that you just said about women? Men and women don't make good natural enemies. We're not designed uh, to be enemies. They're designed to be frenemies probably. <laughs> well, there you go. Okay. I'll accept that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's that's a whole that's a whole topic for another, <laughs> another the male female dynamic and how it complicates um, connection attempts, right? Yeah, I mean that's like a vast topic. So mm-hmm. I'm looking forward. Yes, yeah, for sure. So so right within that um, you know that that soft startup the you know there, I really have an issue and I need your help. Can we talk about that? You need me to do uh, active listening, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Right. Do I know what I'm doing or do you want me to? um... Uh, Well, why don't we, we can, we can, I can tell you the rules. Okay. (laughs) These are the rules. Number one, prepare yourself because it's going to be dangerous. No, I mean, it's prepare yourself as in um, your job. Say again. Get your mindset. Yeah, Exactly. So this is, you're postponing your, your agenda, which, you know, maybe is often the case that it's defensiveness. There's a, like a particular, like the agenda is I'm not guilty. Um, so po- postpone your agenda mm-hmm. to into your partner's world, especially to hear the pain, even if you don't agree with the details. Right. So the real challenge here is to put oneself in the other's shoes. Right. And really simply simply seek understanding. So within that also is to hear the speaker's feelings and be present. Just for the purpose of once again understanding. So like um you can ask open-ended questions. Mm-hmm. Um you can ask questions for clarification and elaboration to help deepen your understanding. Um but also, like the speaker, you can't be critical, judgmental, or defensive. Minimize the feelings. Um, also, take responsibility. You can't take responsibility for the, the speaker's feelings. Oh, okay. Um, like, yeah. it's my fault. I'm sorry. That's not the purpose of this. Um, so it's not to try to make the speaker feel better. Well, I'm not trying to be really nice. I'm just trying to follow these particular rules Correct. to... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because even that can have a tendency to minimize 
um, and jump right into problem solving. So that's not that's not where we want to go with this, which is often a natural tendency for men. Yes. No, uh, I mean, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, you do. Um, what? Uh, so. Uh, yeah. So also knowing. The what is the problem? This is the question I wanted to ask you, Deb. Sure. What is the problem with jumping right in and saying you're sorry? What's wrong with that? It's a quick fix. Mm-hmm. And what's wrong with it is that it's it's saying, I, I don't really want to be present with you in this frustration or this anger or this sadness. I just, just want to shut up as fast as possible. I'm sorry? Right. I just want you to shut up as fast as possible. Right. Exactly. And how, like, I'm uncomfortable, so how can I end this discomfort as quickly as possible? Right. So the focus is on my feelings of discomfort rather than mm-hmm. making that connection with you and right. whatever is on right. your mind. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, when we talk about marriage from a Catholic perspective, you know, we have two spouses who are ultimately seeking to help each other to heaven. Mm-hmm. We have um, we have people who within the friendship of the marriage are, are just seeking the good of the other. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's a beautiful place to practice selflessness because we don't really need to practice selfishness. <laughs> I think I that. probably do actually, Deb. I don't think so. Okay, no. all right. Um so yeah, so it's not, you know, it it is uncomfortable. Conflict is uncomfortable. So I guess as the listener you could also prepare to be uncomfortable. Um and then at the end, wrapping up, summarizing and reflecting back what you hear and validating, communicating, understanding, and empathy. Okay. okay. So as we go through, um, you can stop and point something out about what I'm saying or doing if you want, or we can just go all the way through as you prefer. I'll just follow your lead, Deb. No, we can, we can see, yeah, we can kind of see how it rolls. Um, and I haven't really prepare this and just kind of taking it from personal experience. Well, let's swing it. Client stories, just kind of, yeah, yeah. exactly. Just kind of going, going. You recognize it. yourself in this role play. You are wrong. This is drawn <laughs> from many different uh, experiences with couples. Camouflage, not you. At the same you time, all of us. <laughs> you need to pay attention. <laughs> Yeah, if you see yourself in this, see what see what you can maybe take away that can help better your own okay. communication. So, um, all right. I really, I really need to talk to you about something. That's oh important. no! Here we go again. Mm. I'm Is not feeling. Oh no, it's not. I'm not within that. Not feeling very, very received. Like okay, there's okay. on your part. So that's kind of like, you know, talk about a bid for connection moment, right? So I got to get my mindset. Okay. All so, right. What's okay. on your mind? I, yes, I want to hear it. Okay. So you know what? If you're like, oh, no, right. Do that again. Let me see what okay. I can come up with. The oh, no thing. Uh, All right. Oh, here we go again. You know now might not be a good time for you. And if it's not, that's okay. But it's something 
I think would be helpful. So if not now, could you give me a time? We could talk. Excellent. Okay, so um, uh, now I'm saying no, it's okay. I was just, I was just busy. I'm listening now. Tell me what's on your mind. It's the dishes. Okay. Every and I just oh, I'm really trying to do this without complaining, but it just feels like every day, every time I walk into the kitchen, you know, working from home, it's like I come out. And I look at the sink, and once again, it's full of dishes. And I feel like I'm the only one who really cares about it or does anything. So um, you're feeling frustrated then? Very, very, very much so. And I feel like I, I talk about it a lot, like say, all right, everybody needs to pitch in. It needs to not just be me. Um, but at the same time, I feel like it's just me. And then, like, the dishes aren't even limited to the sink. Uh, and this is from my own personal experience in my house, for the record. <laughs> so this uh, is a real case. Uh, so you, uh, are so you feeling, you're feeling a bit overwhelmed? Can I – let's just do a thera- therapeutic pause there for a moment. Um, that could be construed as interrupting, only because you kind of jumped into what I was saying. Mm-hmm. And if I, you know, in that character was really frustrated, that wouldn't help me feel less frustrated. Gotcha. So just a little, <laughs> little point there. Thanks um, for giving me your incorrect point, Deb. No, just kidding. Go ahead. So you were saying that before. So you're feeling overwhelmed? Very much so. And maybe even beyond that, like... Maybe like nobody else cares or you feel like all alone. Yeah, like it's all on me. Gotcha. And you're saying this you feel like this happens like every day? You know, it's it doesn't feel like an exaggeration because the kitchen is used all day long. Even though the word every would not be necessarily appropriate. You know, when we eat three meals a day, you know, don't use paper plates. Actually, maybe paper plates would be part of the solution some of the time. (laughs) Uh, There we go with solutions. Um, But, yeah, just frustrated, tired. Right. So you feel like you can't keep up. Mm -hmm. I'm never caught up. Maybe so do you feel like there's never, ever any time when it's like in an acceptable condition or is it just like too much of the time or where are you with that? Well, if I stay up to like one thirty in the morning after all the teens have gone to bed <laughs> and do a deep clean of the kitchen, then I can wake up to a clean kitchen. <laughs> right. So, yeah. It's so you're like not a, just tired of it, but you're like literally tired. Right. Yeah, actually, literally, physically tired. Correct. Mm-hmm. And I like I, I want to feel like it's a family project. Right. 
So um, maybe the rest of us are kind of relying on you to remind us when to do it. But what do you think? I mean, is that like, is that part of the burden that it always has to be you to remind? Uh-huh. Okay. So let me ask you this. Um, what is it that you would like from me? What What would you like? Okay, pause. <clears throat> okay. Because that, like when you think about that question, what would you like? What kind of question is that? An excellent question, I would say. Uh, probably in the top four or five percent. Just kidding. No, I don't know. <laughs> uh, uh, let's see. <laughs> it's an open question. So I got it that going for me. It is. I guess it feels more like a problem-solving question. Okay. So would I need to slow down and, like, wait? Right, right. And that's where you can see how easily the male brain just goes to, like, how can we fix this? Mm-hmm. You know, you're bothered, you're upset. Or the female brain is still busy complaining. Or the female, the, the female brain is like, I want you to feel this tension with me. Right. You know? It's like, don't just pat me on the, on the back and be like, it's okay, you know? Like, go all move out in 20 years, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Deb, Deb, don't bother your pretty little head about it. It's going to be fine. Yeah, no condescension. Yeah, that's that'll okay, get your question yeah. to Right. <laughs> um, I have heard what you have to say on that topic, Deb. How can you help me uh-huh. recognize that? Because I hear couples in a counseling setting say, I, I hear you, I hear you, I totally get what you're saying. But if a spouse doesn't feel like they've actually heard, then that's just lip service. So often those words just bounce off someone's head, don't they? Exactly. Right. And it's kind of like a... Hurry up and get to... Yeah, go on. Right. Exactly. So how would you... How could you demonstrate actually hearing? Well, I think the best way is really active listening. So you're doing the reflections, you're doing open questions, you're doing mm-hmm. minimal encouragers, like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, the classic mm-hmm. tradition. Good mm-hmm. one, Dad. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's it. Keep it up, keep it up. Uh, <laughs> and um, what else? Oh, well, attending, of course, like, uh, you know, looking at someone while they're talking. Um if you're not sure, like, how much eye contact is enough, I mean, that seems weird, but it is kind of, if you start getting really self-conscious, sometimes you're not sure. And uh, the pattern is to look at the person when they're talking to you the whole time, and when you are talking, then you can look away, right? Hmm. And then come back. Mm-hmm. Seems basic, but some of us forget that if we feel awkward or anxious. So, anyway... Uh, yeah, what else? What am I missing, Deb? Is that, uh, um, that convey uh, the idea? A summary, yeah. Summaries are really good, yeah. So, reflections. You're feeling this, oh. that. You're saying this, that. Uh, what's, what's another one? So, for you, um, this situation would be like, it just feels like another thing as part of a really busy life, another thing piled on top. Am I, have I got that right? It's a, a a burden, an unshared burden. Yes, so you're all alone. 
You don't have help. You're all in, you're in it all by yourself, according to the way you're feeling now. All right. So about could that. you give me something that would give me some validation? Like, what would be an example of validation? Oh my word. <laughs> Wow, that must be uh must be really lonely to feel like it's all on you. <laughs> okay. Deb's giving me the thumbs up sign. Uh what else? What could you suggest? I can't think of anything. Um uh what is a way to give validation, Deb? Yeah, it'd be like I, what you said was good. Sounds really Lonely. Okay. So you're not crazy that way. Exactly. Yeah. Right. It's so I might not agree with you. I might feel like it's really unfair that you're picking on me. I always wash my dishes and put them away immediately after I'm done with them. Or um, right? I just did the dishes yesterday. And here you right. are coming at me about the dishes. Well, I might feel that or think it in the back mm-hmm. of my head. But because I really want Deb to hear my message, I'm deferring what I have to say. And really softening her up with all this excellent act of listening and validation. Uh, you might be wrong, Deb, but you're not crazy to feel the way you feel. And if you said you might be wrong. <laughs> not saying, no, I wouldn't say that out loud. I'm thinking. Uh, yes. Okay, good. That was the internal thought process. Um, out loud, that, that wouldn't win any points. Um, yes. So, um Right. And so along with all of that, there's that sense of I've been heard. Yes. I've not been minimized. Right. Um, I've not been in that in that seeking like I, I need to I need to talk about this. This is this is a big deal to me at least. I've not been rejected either. Mhm. And I think so often spouses have a hard time just making that did. Right. There's so much rejection factor. Yeah. Yeah. That it's like I have to get really angry to talk about this just to make sure that you hear about it and and that you know I I've I've said what I need to say. Right? Mm-hmm. But it actually completely misses the point of connection. And nobody actually is heard or understood in that process. Right. Plus, if you come at me all angry like that um, in your determination and anxiety to be heard, the only thing that I'm really going to hear is like, here she comes with all her BS again, blaming Mm -hmm. me. She's mad at me again. Now I'm all Mm -hmm. anxious because I don't want to be eaten up and have the... Right, whatever negative narrative is already there. Right. It's just going to be reinforced. Right. So with a gentle startup, then I am relaxed. I don't tend to get upset immediately. Mm-hmm. Also, with the I language, the, mm-hmm. you know, like I'm feeling, it's not blame, it's not blame sharing right. or blame right. shifting. Right. So it's in that it really, I think, how did that feel on the defensive scale as, a, as the listener? It feels fine, right? I mean, I, I don't feel like you were really getting at me. I, it was in my mind that possibly you were talking about the teenagers and not me at all. <laughs> so I don't, I'm not on the defensive because you're mm-hmm. not blaming me. You're just talking about the way you're feeling and you're asking mm-hmm. me for help. 
Right, and and that doesn't mean that a solution can't be arrived at at a, at a at a different point, but it's not the purpose of this particular exercise. Right. Um, so. So how do I know when I can start offering you the um, the perfect, well formed solutions? Well, you know, actually. Um, Two of my really good friends, uh, Bill and Claire Finnegan, who I'm hoping to have on the show at some point, um, they, you know, they'll actually say, "Do you are you are you looking for support or for solutions?" And actually, ask that. Oh. I like that. That's really good. And I think uh, one thing that I didn't mention about active listening is um, what you might have heard me saying or doing. And that is that I'm checking hypotheses, right? I'm not assuming that I understand, but I'm checking. Mm-hmm. I'm checking my understanding constantly with you. Mm-hmm. And so that is like a continuation of that, which I think is really, really helpful because once again, you're not putting the person on defensive, right? Or you're not right. minimizing, like, just do this and everything will be fine. Exactly. Really so, so right, you're in that, in that hypothesis kind of, it's almost like an investigation. Mm-hmm. Right. Like mm-hmm. you can kind of almost like you're you're looking at it from the outside and you're like, mm-hmm. okay, what what can I learn about the speaker in this particular context? And 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 what's going on in them that's contributing to all of this angst in this moment. Mm-hmm. And so if the the listener can have that kind of curiosity, you yes. know, and compassion. Um it's then it I think it even gives more space for the speaker to open up because it's not like defensiveness has a tendency to close us down. Right. All right, excellent. So gentle startup, uh I so you if you have an issue you want to talk about, you're using the I statements like mm-hmm. I feel this that, without blaming. Um what else am I missing there, Deb? The listener does what? No, no criticism. I think that's a really, really, really hard one for many couples. Right. You know, you never do this. You screwed up again. You know. You're this way. You're this. <laughs> um, and we laugh, but it's like it's terrible. It's it's absolutely terrible how destructive how destructive criticism is. Right. It's very discouraging. Very, and it really tears at the heart and soul of of the human being, right? When it's repetitive and continual, um, it's it's really really ugly, um, and it destroys relationships. It's one of the the Gottman four horsemen, which we can talk about at some other point. But um, criticism is really really brutal, it's like word attack. Um, <clears throat> So no criticism, no complaining, per se. No contempt. Yeah, no complaining and no contempt. And contempt is a lot more subtle, I find. Mm -hmm. Because it can be like a snide look. Okay. Mm -hmm. A tone, exactly. Dismissive, sarcastic. Yes, yes. And those things can be like fun in a playful context. Mm-hmm. Maybe not the dismissive, but the sarcasm can have it. Can be fun in a, in a playful. Yeah, whatever, Doug, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Come on, 
um, dang it. Train of thought destroyed. You did it. Yeah. You feel like you've accomplished something. Well, listen, Deb, I wanted to play you some music. So maybe this is a good time. Mm-hmm. I've forgotten what you were going to say. Listen to this music. Good time for my tired brain. Hit that jack jack, put it in pocket till I get back. Going downtown, see a man, and I ain't got time, shake your hand. Hit that jack jack, put it in pocket till I get back. Kind of time waits for no man, and I ain't got time, shake your hand. Standing on the corner, all full of jazz. But you know that you, boy, and I'll always give you five. Well, that is the uh, famous and beloved Nat King Cole. You hear his crooning stuff a lot, but you don't always hear his trio stuff. So that was yeah, really, really, it's an unusual, yeah. like an unusual sound for him. Yeah, but fun. Fun, huh? Anyway, that is on the Nat King Cole collection. So I urge you to go out and buy that record. <laughs> Are you trying to make up for your lack of radio, uh, radio music host? Absolutely. Uh, Mm-hmm. Let's listen to this one now. What do you Quasimodo, You had misspoken. Um, or I thought maybe it was a joke. I didn't know there was a Quasimodo. What is Quasimodo Sunday? Well, it's where we celebrate the hunchback of Notre Dame. Stop. <laughs> no, actually, it's not. But if you keep that playing, I will not be able to maintain a chain of thought okay. because my brain will go crazy the music. Um, so, Quasimodo is actually the beginning of the introit for the Sunday after Easter. Cool. Fred, why don't you tell us what an introit is? An introit is uh, like when there's two of your friends and they don't know each other, and you're like, hey, this is a nice person, and you say their names if you can remember them. Mm. No, no, that's not quite right, is it? I don't know. It doesn't sound quite right to me. No, an introit (laughs) It's the first antiphon of the Mass. The introduction. The priest and everyone is processing in. It takes place, um, well, it depends on, uh, it really depends on what mass. It takes place, it takes place in different places in um, whether it's like the Novus Ordo Mass, the extraordinary form. Uh, in the Novus Ordo, it's often completely and entirely forgotten. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but nonetheless, it is still, uh, and it's replaced often with a hymn, just an opening hymn. Um, but it's Quasimodo. Um, comes from Quasimodo Genite Infantes. And if you, you might recognize one of those words at least. Infantes, I know that one, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Children. Maybe. Yeah, infant, maybe. Mm-hmm. And it comes from the text, uh, like newborn babes crave spiritual milk so mm. that by it they grow up in your salvation. And um, and so, you know, when you think of what happens Easter Vigil, what beautiful, wonderful, mysterious, glorious event happens for many people at Easter Vigil. People are baptized and come into the church. Confirmed, they receive the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And so, for all intents and purposes, they are newborn babes in the face. Mm-hmm. Neophytes. And so, neophytes. And so, the Sunday after Easter reminds us to be like them. Mm-hmm. And um, and there's something about conversion that does have a contagion and excitement. You know, as you spend time with with a new convert, mm-hmm. uh, you had that experience this past Holy Week. Yes, I walked with a, a new convert to the Catholic faith um, through RCIA, starting back in September, all the way through to the Easter Vigil when he was joyfully welcomed in. And uh, traditional greeting is welcome home. And I've never said that to any convert who hasn't said, yeah, I feel like I've come home. Mm. Um, so it is a, a joyful homecoming. Mm-hmm. Yes. You are a convert. Yes, I am. Um, you came into the church how long ago? Uh, I think it was 2015. Yes. Okay. So this year will be 10 years. Since I came into the church, 2013. Cool. So, um, so we've both had that experience of really having that journey home. Yeah. Why did you become? Why did you want to join the church? Oh, so many reasons. Um, let me get my talking points. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot, right? And so it is sometimes hard to get your head back around it because you forget stuff, strangely enough, and then. Yeah. I've actually gone back recently and um, and looked at some of those talking points, and there were there were so many. But for me, it it, it comes back to um, it comes back to two things. I think mm-hmm. unity and truth. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up in a Baptist church that was independent. Right, but even within that, there were certain associations with certain universities, um, like Bob Jones University, and oh, okay. uh, and um, and other local churches. There was Calvary Theological Seminary, Calvary Baptist Theological Seminary, I think. Okay. Um, and and over the years, there were fallouts with these organizations, you know, and and letters written that were nasty between right. the, you know. Um, and and as a pastor's kid, I, I I think I may have heard more than most people would have, mm-hmm. of, you know, kind of what goes on on the inside. 
Right. And um, and it really, as a kid, frustrated me that Christians acted so immaturely, mm-hmm. Christian leaders, and in this case, male Christian leaders. Right. Um, and what and all, does it make that it's a, a male Christian leader? What what do you? What's the implication of that? That's what I want to know. Well, in in the circles in which I grew up, um, men were the leaders. <laughs> right, right. You so know, they were the pastors, they were the leaders. That's not true in the Catholic Church? Is, but... What is the difference? Now I we're feel on like the topic. there's a lot more room for women in the Catholic Church. I see. Interesting. So you can't be a priest? No, or deacon. Right. I have no desire to be. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> but there's um, there's a real respect for women. Interesting. I think it's Molière's uh, Dignitatum, uh, John Paul II, encyclical mm-hmm. on the dignity okay. of women, mm-hmm. um, that's very encouraging and validating about the the contribution that a woman uniquely contributes to the natural realm. Right. To the natural realm? To the world. To okay. to um to the home, to a workspace, to the church, to you know, within within so the creative. So mm-hmm. to the church as well? Is it uh, I haven't read that. Is that specifically like um talking about women in the church? Or? No, it's not. It's specifically talking about the dignity of women <clears throat> intrinsically. So, and that's what it's more about than like the practical applications of. You should read it. It's excellent. Sounds really interesting. Um, in a Baptist setting where all of the leaders were male, mm-hmm. and women really did not have a public voice, um, it was well, it was normal. You know, it was normal. But then I I think even more disappointing, perhaps, when the men really screwed things up. Right. So um, is there sort of thing, uh, all or nothing going on there? Like uh, there, some people understand scriptures to mean women should be quiet in mm-hmm. church. Right. Don't talk at all. We don't care what you have to say or what you think. Or the other option might be all. So that would be there's no difference between men and women. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Anything that a man can do, a woman can do, but not better. But no, just kidding. Anything you can do, I can do. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. All right. <laughs> so is it true that the, the church may be the difference? Do they find like a happy medium there, or what do you think? Hmm. I don't know that it's a happy medium. It's just that there's a real space and role for, like, if you look at religious life, mm-hmm. you know, um, there are orders that are all women and that's, that serve a very particular purpose. And some of them were started by incredibly strong women mm-hmm. um, whose leadership was a gift and and manifested in a lot of souls being saved and needs of people being met. Um, there's also within the church a real 
respect for the stay-at-home mom. Right. You know, the mom who devotes her life to the, the raising and education of her children. Mm-hmm. And serving the community and the church in whatever capacity is possible within that those priorities. Um, so it's, uh, you know, women could do things. Like women could sing solos in my churches growing up. They could play the organ. They could mm-hmm. play the piano. Um, but any kind of visible leadership mm-hmm. was only in the realm of children hmm. and children's ministries. So that's interesting. So that was one of the things that really attracted you to the faith then, huh? Well, you know what? It was theology of the body, particularly. Really? Because um, within that, it's that, you know, God has a particular design for men and women. Mm-hmm. And um, and gifts that are unique to both, mm-hmm. that are complementary and are meant to serve one another. So they're complementary, they're not competitive. Right. So would you say um, that men and women don't make naturally good enemies, that sort of thing? (laughs) (laughs) We're back to that, aren't we? Sorry, I just saw an opportunity. Um, Well, you know... So they're different, but they're complementary, and one is not better than the other. So I think it might be helpful to ask, why do we think of men and women as natural enemies? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, excellent question. Um, and it comes to mind that, you know, men feel like women are adversarial when there's a lot of criticism and tearing down. Hmm. Um, women think of men as adversarial when there's putting down. Mm-hmm. And in that sense, an abuse of power, um, whether it's like physical power or social constructs. Yes, that makes sense to me. Um, but I think also, I, I think you would probably agree with this, that it, it always is going to be a little bit different because men are physically stronger than women. Mm-hmm. So for a woman to shout at the top of her lungs is not a very nice thing. But it's not the same. really annoying. <laughs> not the same as a man shouting at the top of his lungs because it's more intimidating. It, it tends to create more fear. Mm-hmm. And a woman, when a man shouts, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. That be fair? Yeah, excellent point. Um, and some women, like women, find ways to maneuver and manipulate. Mm-hmm. But in that in that context, in that relational dynamic, it's really mm-hmm. more about who's who's in charge. Like who's right. so it's more of a power dynamic. Power. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And um, and it's not about who, I uh, you know, I still think that would make a great title of the book. Who's in charge? And then yeah, have it be, you. you know, like a, a a discussion of male and female relationships. Mm-hmm. From because a, by the same token, I think people don't appreciate that men can be more intimidating. So we men have to be more careful with our. Uh, tone of voice or the volume of our voice and the actions that we take, right? Throwing so you're talking something about an awareness of strength. 
Yeah, and, and the awareness of the effects you have on your mm -hmm. on your wife. Mm -hmm. By the same token, it's worthwhile recognizing that because women are uh, weaker physically, almost always, not always, that they can get really good at uh, struggling for power using other means. So they mm -hmm. can tend to be trickier, more manipulative, mm -hmm. whatever, sure. which is can also be an, a, a negative thing. Right, because it's still about power and control. Yes. And within that, it's there's, you know, lack of trust. Mm -hmm. There's a lack of really serving. And and that's where, you know, when we bring in theology of the body and, and John Paul II's definition of, I'm sorry, everybody, I'm talking with my hands, but you can't see it. So you're missing out on like... <laughs> Uh, it's like my hands can't sit, they can't be still when I'm talking. Um, but yeah, JP2 brings in this, um, this aspect of the gift of self. Uh -huh. And, um, you know, power control is often about more about protection. Mm -hmm. of self. Um, and, and what I can get, what I'm going to, how it's going to benefit me. Right. And I'm Fear and a, a seeking to control or mm -hmm. dominate or whatever. Sorry, go ahead. And we could we could talk about why that is. Like sometimes it's an element. It's like it's about safety, self protection. Mm -hmm. um, Which can be a true thing. Right. Right. It can be legit. Mm hmm. For sure. Um, it often springs from fear. Yeah, social anxiety or mm -hmm. your, your own background or whatever. Mm -hmm. Rather than being open and giving yourself by openness to the other one. Exactly. Yeah. Is that right? So um, all of that came from you asking me how I became yeah. Catholic. <laughs> so as like a newborn, in, <laughs> like a newborn infant, you were hungry for the truth, right? You were hungry Quasimodo, for the milk. Yeah. Uh, how does mm -hmm. it go? Quasimodo, oh. almost like newborn uh, infant. Quasimodo. Oh, hold on a second. Let me pull it up here because I did not memorize it. Um, Quasimodo Janiti Infantes. What does Janiti mean? Well, it looks like it comes from generates. Okay. Which newborn. New, that would be the newborn, right? I guess. So that's the modifying infants. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the grammar part of this show has been great. <laughs> Uh, Stay tuned. But anyway, next week we'll do sentence diagramming. <laughs> so that's the an excellent idea. We'll describe it for you. Don't worry, you can't see it, but we'll describe it. Um, I, when I came into the church, I too was hungry for the milk of uh, of good basic teaching. Right, I wanted to know the truth. Right. And I felt like I had gotten a lot of truth coming up. Uh, I also mm -hmm. was in the Baptist church later in the in the Anglican Church, Church of England. But I didn't feel like I had the chance to have the whole truth. And when I started investigating the claims of the Catholic faith, it was almost as if I was in two dimensions and suddenly a third dimension opened up. Mm -hmm. Everything made a lot more sense. There were so many more connections and it seems mm -hmm. so much more fitting to, it's just to read the Gospels, for example. Mm -hmm. but, so. Anyway. Those you were able to, in some ways, incorporate parts of what you, of your experience with God, your previous experience Absolutely. with God. 
All of it. In fact, I feel like I lost absolutely nothing. I had everything that was good about my faith beforehand, mm-hmm. but now I had a third dimension, which mm-hmm. made it so much more beautiful. I mean, the faith of people who are not Catholics is can be and is very beautiful and, uh, you know, not putting down anybody or the faith. But it's just that, in my experience, the Catholic faith adds that extra dimension, which makes everything like Mm-hmm. It's not arithmetic. It's um, this geometric explosion of, of beauty and truth. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, it, it may not be the best analogy, but it's a, it, it, it works. is the best analogy. <laughs> thank you for noticing. You know, it's um, it's a gift to grow up in a home where. God is loved. The scriptures are taught. There's really a heart for a heart for others, and to bring yeah. others to God. Really, a heart for souls. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a home where hospitality is normal, um, and music and the arts are appreciated and encouraged. And um, and so I I have you know I have so much for which to be grateful um, to my parents because of that because that all definitely enhances my faith as a Catholic. Um, and to that end, it's like it's not it's not either or, you know, it's both and. Mm-hmm. So in you can what bring, way? well, in the sense of like, you can bring the good from the Baptists who define themselves by a part of the faith, mm-hmm. and the good from the Anglicans who define themselves by a part of the faith. Mm-hmm. And and because the church is the fullness of the faith, you don't have to. It can we can live with the tension. Yes, we don't have to give anything up. We can acknowledge that there's some things that are mysteries that we cannot fully understand. Mm-hmm. And there's beauty in the mystery. We don't have to be afraid of it. Um, we also don't have to define ourselves by our differences. Right. So tell me more about that. Look at the time. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to, do you? All right. Well, like, guess what? We just have a new topic for the next show. I think that's a great idea. Because it's, it's, um, time on that. Yeah, and it's a great segue, actually, into a, um, IFS. Because IFS, which Fred <laughs> loves, um, IFS is a therapeutic model that um, talks about parts in the whole mm-hmm. and how parts parts can often overtake and overshadow the whole. Um, so, you know, we Within see a, a little bit. I, and I'm using that, I'm using that in, in comparison to the Protestants and Catholics. You know, because Protestants mm-hmm. define themselves by a part. Mm-hmm. Where the Catholic Church integrates that into the whole. And within that, we have the fullness of the truth and the body of Christ. So, um, so yes, IFS can be can be very useful in that aspect. Are you muting me? I am not. <laughs> I should. <laughs> no, I am not. I am going to um, tell these people um, what they have to look forward to. If you tune in every day at the same time, we have lots of really good uh, podcasts available on the Four Persons Network. This is Tangled Web with Deb Rojas and me, Fred Boley, 
um, but there are many other uh, really good shows. Um, mm-hmm. Tomorrow, uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and next week as well. So Tangled Mess will be back next week. If you'd like to get hold of Deb, call her at this number. 610-601-9781. That is Integrity Counseling Services. And um, that is where I can be found as a counselor. Um, Deb Counseling at gmail.com also for uh, conversation, if you like. And um, thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Fred, for joining us. And how can... How can you be reached? You can find me at uh, stbarn.org. It's S-T-B-A-R-N dot O-R-G. That is, is the that website, website of our... <laughs> what? Is that website finally up? Stop. It went up very quickly. Uh, it took only a year, which is <laughs> like, you know, that's very fast for me. But anyway, that's for our organization, St. Barnabas uh, Reconciliation Ministries. Um, uh, and we have a number of people who are helping us with that, including Deb. Um, but yes, if you want to get a hold of me, please go to stbarn.org, S-T-B-A-R-N.org. And I'm happy to have any questions or comments. You can email me, use the contact form, or find the phone number there. So, Deb, you have a guest for next week. Have you got that lined up or not? Uh, that is still that is still a maybe. I don't think I've had that confirmed. Hold on a sec. I do not have it confirmed yet. <laughs> okay. So we can't shout out what next week's topic is? Well, I'm hoping to have a friend come on to talk about um, Catechesis of the Good Shepherd, um, which is just a phenomenal liturgical aid in in teaching young young children, like starting at ages three, huh. um, about about the faith, the liturgy, the, the stories of scripture, and really helping... Uh, using Montessori practices, so it's really an awesome, an awesome uh, contribution to religious education, and um, and I have a, quite a few friends who are very highly trained in their levels, and uh, so I hope to have somebody join us next week to talk about that. That would be a lot of fun. I help you. So um, as we as we close, I do <laughs> say what Deb. We'll have an interesting case to argue about, too. Okay. I'm going to win next time. Mm-mm. Tune in tomorrow at the same time to hear Benko Sibanko. Um, uh, and this is the the one that I've been looking forward to. Benko Sibanko are talking about pop music. The next day, <laughs> we have Uncounseling, which is my show. I talk about counseling from, with a skeptical um, from a from a Catholic point of view. So if you're interested in counseling or are, you are annoyed about counseling or mm-hmm. you've had bad experiences mm. or you've had good experiences, you are invited to call and take part in the show tomorrow at the same time. Um, and the next day, guess what we have? We'll never guess. Luke Haskell. It's going to be really interesting, an apologist. So uh, do tune in to the Four Persons uh, podcast every day, more or less the same time. Um, and never, ever make the mistake of missing Tangled Mess with Deb Rojas <laughs> Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central. Mary, undoer of knots. Pray, for, Pray us. for us. Thank you, Deb. See you later. Thank you, Fred. Good night. <laughs>